If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. On this episode of The Transition, I conduct a branding Q&A with Army veteran Sheila Buswell, founder of Buswell Biomedical, a company that's using artificial intelligence and machine learning to build a state-of-the-art upward mobility device to prevent patients in rehabilitation and healthcare facilities from falling. Like so many entrepreneurs in the bunker, Sheila doesn't have a background in marketing and branding. And due to her scientific background, she often struggles articulating her vision and business model for her company. Whenever I hear an entrepreneur say, but my business is so different, as an excuse for an unclear message, I know it's because they don't know the proper frameworks for articulating their ideas. I know Sheila's not the only one who struggles with articulating her vision. So I invited her on the show to conduct a branding question and answer session where we talk through how to properly position her company and clarify her messaging. Before you hear from Sheila and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, reach out to me on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman or shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Sheila, welcome to The Transition. I can't say welcome to The Bunker because you've been participating in the uh, Veterans and Residents remote cohort uh, from down in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And you and I just, I think it was a few weeks ago, I taught the VR Masterclass on Marketing and Branding. And uh, before that, I've been doing these classes, you know, as for the uh, Breaking Barriers and Entrepreneurship Workshop Series. This is my first time getting to do the same class for the veterans and residents. And when I did the workshop series, I pulled an entrepreneur off it and said, hey, let's do a marketing and branding Q&A to do a deep dive uh, on your venture. And I want to do it with you because, you know, when we were talking, you were kept saying, my business is so different. My business is so different. And I know I used to think like that. And a lot of other uh, entrepreneurs out there think like that as well. So I want to be able to do a deep dive and uh, figure out if we can help you um, position your 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 company in a way that uh, establishes what you want it to do and uh, tighten it up a bit. How does that sound? That sounds great. So let's start by having you introduce yourself to everyone and uh, your venture. Okay, my name is Sheila Buswell, as we said, and in 1998, I was in Bosnia and a generator fell on my foot and crushed it. And I rehabbed from that injury in a UN hospital called the Blue Factory in Bosnia. And 20 years later, in 2018, my mom fell and broke her hip in Arizona. In the intervening 20 years, nothing had changed. If you're deemed a mobility concern in a rehab hospital, you're, con you're like only resource, if you have an activity of daily life like toileting, is to be accompanied by a healthcare worker. This is expensive for a lot of different reasons, but mostly like health patients fall, still fall and get injured. Healthcare workers are often injured helping patients, either trying to prevent them from falling and lifting with your, like when you're told OSHA has regulations, like lift with your legs, not your back. Well, if someone's falling, you know what I mean? You don't 
think like that. You just try to help them. And especially people who are in that field, they get injured, they have workman's compensation claims, they get sued or they sue in their own right. And there's this workman's compensation insurance, which is very expensive. So when my mom was injured, I was like, thought it might, after I got out of the military, the medical discharge, I, I got a mechanical engineering degree and a master's in biomedical engineering. My first job out of school was I worked at a brewery, Anheuser-Busch. That's how I ended up in St. Louis. And they run the whole brewery off sensors. So I was like, well, instead of a healthcare worker, we could just have sensors run a device that stabilizes you if you need it. The healthcare worker could prioritize the tasks they're trained for. And like they have devices that can measure how much weight you're taking. And if you're able to conduct these activities of daily life independently, great. If you need to be stabilized, they can stabilize you. This device, and the reason my device is different, the reason my company is different, is it's a research and development company. We're working on a device that's controlled by artificial intelligence or machine learning and sensors. So it's we're not selling anything, we're developing something. So I'm not selling in all the business books. I read all the books that are recommended, but that's the differentiating factor. Like I'm not actively selling and my customer is, is a person like that was the thing you kept reiterating. It's a person, but it's so easy to lose sight of that. It's rehabilitation hospitals and, the, and purchasing group, hospital purchasing groups. So, anyway. all right. So let's, let's break this down. I want to talk about your product. So you're in the process of developing a product that does what? Uh, the product is a mechanical device that's partially controlled by artificial intelligence. Okay. So, so I want to say this, right? And I just was talking through this yesterday with my own business coach about when we started talking about products, describe what you do without bringing up the product. Okay. So what do I mean by that? So if I, we mean you were in an elevator, okay. And I say, Hey, Sheila, what do you do? And you say you help, uh, X, Y, and Z who's suffering from, uh, hip replacement or stuff, et cetera. How you do it is through your product. You understand what I'm saying? So in a mm -hmm. sense of like, what is it, what is it that you do without mentioning the product? So I would, this is my elevator pitch. Actually, I help provide independence to patients in rehabilitation hospitals and freedom to healthcare workers. They can prioritize other tasks while patients conduct the activities of daily life independently. Love it. And if you ask me how they do that. Then I give my spiel. Okay. So when we start talking about products, right? So I'm assuming that you need to raise capital in order to build this product, which is why you can't sell it. Well, no. So I'm in the development mode. Like I need 300. I have a scientific advisory board and on that board I have, I live in St. Louis, right? So Missouri science and technology is like the premier, um, STEM school or university in St. Louis or in Missouri. And the Dean of the computer engineering department was like, okay, we, to develop this device further, we need to figure out an algorithm. We need a library. So to, to the minimum sample we need, I have a prototype of a sensor like of one scenario, people standing up and sitting down. I have more than 75 people, but I need 300. Okay. So you need 300 people. Yes. Across the age spectrum, 50% male and 50% female. To use the product. Not the product to provide a motion sample, standing up and sitting down. Okay. 
So you need 300 people to provide a sample so that you can have that data to use for the product. To, this is this is where it gets shady. I have a library. Every like, let's say you go to the bath. Like when you use these Alexa, your voice is compared to like you use a word. It's not just that it understands that word. It understands that word because other people have said that word. It understands your voice more every time you use it. But initially, there's a library of words. So this is motion data using a harness that we're trying to build that library not words but motion all right so i get what you're saying and this so you're creating a database based off of people's motions yeah exactly yes all right so you're crowdsourcing that information essentially it it's not crowdsourcing really it's just me out getting and this is covid affected a lot of people differently but me it affected i wasn't able to go up to people with my prototype harness and say hey you know, wear this and stand up and sit down, right? Like, according to the FDA, I need a library that is 50% male and 50% female. The first people I was able to get were middle-aged women that fit in my demographic that knew me, right? Like, okay, I could arrange a meeting with them. And that's not across the age spectrum. That's not 50% male, 50% female. It's middle-aged white women who I do yoga with. Okay. So... You're in this veteran and residence cohort, right? Yes. What is your intention? What are you trying to accomplish while being in the cohort? Specifically, I just wanted to expand my uh, networking. And I hadn't. I literally have not used anything about being a veteran. I got out of the Army in 2001, and I haven't tapped into that resource of being a veteran at all. Got it. All right. So... You want to grow your network, but in order to build a business, right, we need customers, you know, we need something to sell them, whether it's a product or a service. Now, you are in the prototype phase, you're in the development phase, so what you're really selling is this idea, right? So you're trying to catch funding, and you're also trying to get uh, people to use the prototype so we can have that data that we can leverage to build out this, this product, and people can, you know, leverage, benefit from that data, correct? Yes. All right. But when you are explaining it, okay, when you're explaining this idea to other people, I think that you do need to describe the problem that you're solving, who you're solving it for, and how you're able to do it, right? So it can be kind of confusing when you say like, oh, well, we don't need customers yet, da 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 And what you want to do is you want to identify like who you're talking to, right? So if I'm talking to an investor, potential investor, that's what they're going to care about. They're going to care about more of Okay, how, how does this make me money? You know, how do you plan to monetize this stuff, et cetera? And you got that spill for that group, okay? Now you've got another spill potentially for um, agencies, research institutions, et cetera, about how you're collecting that data, what you're trying to accomplish and all that stuff. So it sounds to me like as you're talking, you need different messages for different groups of people. Does that make sense? And yes, it absolutely makes sense. And I, I do struggle with that. I'm, in one way, I am a stereotypical engineer as I'm not great at words. And as simple as that sounds, it's a terrible thing to tackle. Like to get to nail down the message to just that one group of people has taken me more than a year. You're thinking too much about it. This is why, right? You're focusing so much on the message, but what's going to clarify your message is the more people you talk to, right? Particularly... You're a perfect customer, 
one that you is going to use this product right but then also the investors the potential investors right because a lot of times what ends up happening is we we don't talk enough to humans we sit here in our little apartments or our houses we read the books we listen to them on audio and we come up with all these ideas but what we're not getting is that market-based feedback you know so the more people you talk to the more you're going to be able to refine your messaging all right so what i want to do is let's focus right now on the bit general picture right about what we're building so pretend like i'm an investor all right what is the pain that we are addressing with this product what is the problem that we're solving what's the what's the pain that people are experiencing so there's three different customer groups we're one like we get one you get one you don't get three we got the one people who the money comes from hospitals and the pain that hospitals experience and this is is lawsuits and the lawsuits come when people fall and when they fall they get injured in the suits that's sue. great all right so let's tie let's let's lean into that all right so even in a hospital right there's a head honcho hospital administrators right maybe you run a network of hospitals and you're responsible we got to find that person's job title you know and mm -hmm. identify the pain for them so maybe you say every year hospital administrators spend x number of dollars because of injuries in their hospital primarily from people that fall etc this is a problem and right now currently all across the country hell all across the world x number of dollars is getting spent in lawsuits because of falls that are taking place in these hospitals right is that is that close yes okay you can yeah. refine it all right your turn the problem that i have found <laughs> is like it's not as simple as that simply because one way they have solved the problem is they just call it something different medicare and most insurance companies don't fall don't compensate or don't reimburse for a fall in the hospital so like the big hospital here in st louis is called barnes jewish they don't call it a fall they call it an unplanned descent to the floor they don't that way they get a they call it something different they get reimbursed if they get sued it's not technically like it's they use semantics to solve a problem instead of like addressing it head on and if it gets called a myriad of different things across the country it's harder like if you look at the data after 2013 i think i think it's 2013 like there's fewer incidences of quote unquote falls and there's more but if you look at the osha this is where healthcare workers healthcare workers constitute one of the most dangerous professions that exist but and falls in the hospital i don't know that i don't know that that's not a problem because like when news is reported it's reported via that's when you fall is used because that's more easily understood so if right. it's settled outside the court it might not say fall right it might say this person was injured due to this but it might not say fall so if they're using other names so they don't have to pay out of pocket is it still a pain and problem for them it is still a problem for the like i've talked to uh, every level of management at hospitals if i can solve this problem they're absolutely interested but the semantics and it's a coding they change the code and it's like falls is something that's not used anymore technically it exists 
but it's not used anymore. So here's what I will say, right? And I want our audience when they listen to this to let me know, give me some feedback. I think that when you go more like when you say, well, it's more nuanced and da, 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 right? You start going down a rabbit hole, right? But when you're in with an investor, it's super simple, right? What is the problem that you're solving for? It's a super tight problem. And that's why I was saying like, how big of a problem is this across the board at scale? How much money is getting spent to address it? And boom, right? Now the nuance and all that other stuff comes later. But when you're introing it, that's what you want to focus on. You don't want to go down the rabbit hole. You want to create a clear and concise messaging that everyone understands. Because right now, you know all this. You know the weeds, right? You know all that data. You know all this other stuff. But when you're speaking and you're selling and you're pitching this idea, they're not going to know that, right? And you want to keep it simple and clear so that they understand, right? They 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 understand. You don't want to get them off track. Jeez, I know you're, you're messing with me. You're like, I got to jump in. I... The, what concerns me is I don't know how to gather, a, like they've dispersed it. They've called it different stuff. So it, either I use an antiquated number and say this, this fall number is huge and it just went away in 2013 without any substantial change, or I know what the terms they use all across the country to solve this problem. It is huge. It's just, billions of dollars. Yeah, just hint at it, right? So say, I would say, hey, every year X number of falls take place in hospitals across the country. And this amount of money is getting spent. And it's such an issue that hospitals are having to come up with different names to classify these falls, right, in order to uh, stop the bleeding, right? So this is a big problem. And as you look, boom, boom, boom. And that's what validates it, right? All these different names that you talk about, which shows just how massive the problem is. Now, intro solution, right? And here's the interesting thing, right? When you introduce your solution, don't necessarily speak about your product yet. Don't name it, right? Talk about what a solution would look like in general, right? So now you're saying, hey, the solution is, uh, uh, I don't want to call it software, but products that allow us to collect data across the board in a crowdsource kind of way using building a library of data so we have a better understanding, XXX. Now you insert our company has the proprietary license on this X, Y, and Z, and that's how you intro it. That makes so much sense. It's it's one of those things where it's, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so now let's do it, okay? Share the solution, right, without mentioning your product. We'll mention that at the end. What does a solution look like to address this massive issue? A mechanical device that is controlled by artificial intelligence is the solution, but to develop that, we need to build a library. To build that library, we need motion data from across the age spectrum and both sexes. And our company. And our company, Bestful Biomedical, is currently doing this. We're developing this upward mobility device that will be controlled by this artificial intelligence library. Love it. What I want you to do, and I want you to write this down, our listeners as well. I want you to look up two books for me. Number one is called Play Bigger by Christopher Lockhead. The other book is called Traversing the Traction Gap by Bruce Cleveland. And I want you to go back and listen to a previous episode of the transition I had with Bruce Cleveland, where we talk about this idea of category design. In Traction Gap, he calls it market engineering. And what you have to do, Sheila, is you need to create the category that this device 
that your company plays in. Okay, so we don't spend enough time talking about this, but essentially, okay, you need to create the market for your company. So right now, right, this device doesn't exist, but we need to give it a name for the market that this advice exists in. And so when we're positioning products and services in the marketplace, we've got three options, okay? Option number one is you can compete with what's out there. Okay, so you put yourself in the mind of the hospital administrator, all right? This is a massive problem. We need to address it, right? There are all these other companies that say, hey, we can help you address this. And in that, there's one that stands out above all the rest, okay? That's one option. You don't want to compete. Competing is hard. It takes a lot of time, money, and energy. Think Gmail uh, knocking off Yahoo, right? That's what we're talking about in terms of competing. Option number two is you modify an existing category. So is there in a category out there that already exists for mechanical advices that help patients, et cetera, yada, 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 right? We validate that because there's already money getting spent in this market, and we're going to carve out our own little niche. So that's called niching down, right? So all you're going to do is you're just going to identify a market where, you know, this kind of already exists. Maybe it's prosthetics or whatever else. I don't know. I'm just talking. But there's a market out there for stuff. And we carve out a little niche niche, and say we do X, Y, and Z for patients that have fallen in hospitals, et cetera, right? Option number three, which you could potentially do, is you create an entirely new different category altogether. So when you create a category, it's like the first time people start talking about social media. Nobody knew what social media was. Facebook invented social media, essentially, right? Now, there was MySpace and stuff before, but when you think of social media, Facebook is the category king, all right? Another example is like wearables, right? So Fitbit introduced wearables, the stuff you get on your, your wrist, track your workouts and everything. What are you going to introduce, right? You're going to introduce this new market. And so going back to what we said before when we're talking about how to position this product, you've identified the problem. The solution is the market, right? There's this whole new market of da-da-da. So let's take it back to like Uber and ride sharing. Right now, taxis are a pain in the ass. You've got to wait X number of hours, et cetera. The solution is ride sharing, right? Where you're able to leverage vehicles from uh, consumers that already have it. They drive it part-time, et cetera, et cetera. But now instead of relying on taxis, you have access to this ride sharing economy. My company, Uber slash Lyft, provides ride-sharing services, X, Y, and Z. You see what I did there, right? What is the category that we're going to introduce, potentially, because it might need to create a category or we modify an existing one to roll out your product? And so that way it makes a lot more sense to people. And when you're focusing on a market, right? So say you niche down, one of the benefits of niching down in an existing market is to your perfect customer, to your potential investors, they already have something to measure it against. They're like, oh, so you're like X just for patients that fall in the hospital versus when you create a new category altogether, you have to educate people about what this new category is. You've got to set the left and right lateral limits. So you have to be a lot more intentional how you speak about it. And you also have to be an evangelist, right? And sometimes when you create a new category, it can cost a lot of time, money, and energy but the payoff is a lot bigger because now you're the category king in that specific category. And this is a 
this might be one of the first times outside of the Roots Cleveland episode where I kind of talk about it in this much detail. But that's what you want to think about, Sheila. You want to think about how do you create this category potentially for your product. I've listened to all your episodes of this podcast and I remember you talking about that book and I was like, oh, I need to do that. But I, I, I haven't done it and I don't know how I would go about it. I have made different analogies in my head. Like I have an Apple watch and it'll, if I fall, it'll call. And it's similar to that. This harness, instead of if, if it senses I'm unstable, it'll stabilize me. Instead of making a phone call after I've fallen, if I'm about to fall, it'll stabilize me. And I need to make an analogy like that and make a, I need to think on exactly like you're saying. And being an evangelist and putting myself out there is not my favorite, but I'll do it. This is an important problem. I'm just gonna put myself out there to solve it. The other thing to think about, right? So, and I think a lot of veterans can relate with this. In the military, it's all about cover down on your weaknesses. You know, cover on, you know, bring up your weaknesses, et cetera. You spend all this time trying to catch up your weaknesses. But then you get in the civilian world and it's like, hey, you can have your weaknesses, but you don't necessarily have to be the one to cover down on it. You just need to have someone on your team, in your network, et cetera, that can do it. So, you know, for a lot of engineer types, like the scientist type, you love the product, right? You're in the lab, you're tweaking it, you're doing all the data and all that other stuff. Maybe you're not the best one to be the evangelist. And I believe, and this is me just having a conversation about it, but in the age of the internet, this web 3.0, there's so much opportunity for all of us, right? Does it make sense to bring someone in to help you that can be that evangelist, that can go out there and sell the vision and position uh, your company as a solution to the problem? And this is the key to category design. You have to frame the problem, right? That's the, that's the key. So if you were to do some thought leadership, right? Let's say, oh, you know, I need to get my name out there. How do I build brand awareness? Well, one way to start, Sheila, would be you just kind of writing articles about how big of an issue this is for hospital administrators, right? These falls, these classifications, you know, you're talking about how shady people are. We're renaming stuff. You become the SME on this problem that's facing, you know, hospitals all across the country, all across the world, you know, and they're bleeding from it, right? And part of category design is making people aware of that problem, right? It's like shouting it from the rooftop. And it's like, damn, I never thought about this. And then you, you, you take them out of the current present and take them into a, a reimagined future. So right now I'm a hospital administrator. I'm dealing with all these falls in my hospital. I'm like, every time I look up, we're having to shade, come up with some new names and labels or we're having to pay out of pocket, et cetera. Imagine a future to where somebody is about to fall and they get stabilized because of these world-class harnesses with data and sensors and stuff, et cetera. That's what you are building, right? That's what you got to sell. You got to sell that story and then you can introduce your product. That makes total sense. And I mean, <laughs> I, you, you touch on this to a great extent. I have been siloed my entire career. And I mean, my career is pretty lengthy and I only know other engineers. I don't know, like I have advisory boards that are business and 
scientific and healthcare because I need to fill in gaps of, you know, I don't have this expertise, so I depend on them a great deal, but I need to find somebody who's going to be that evangelist because I don't enjoy that task. I don't even have the, my brother talks about this, like the uh, aptitude or the interest. And I don't have either of those for being the evangelist. I mean, right now I'm doing all the things because it's my company and it's just me, but yeah, I'll, the first, one of the first jobs I want to unload is that. So I've actually got some homework for you and I got some homework for our listeners, right? And I'm even going through this process myself. Frame the problem that your company solves. Get super tight about it, right? And really niche down and identify it, right? So with my company, Ironbound Media, the problem I've identified for us in the veteran community is that we're very good at operations, leadership, general management. Some of us are good with numbers and finance, positioning products and services in the market, building brands, you know, outside of the veteran space to differentiate ourselves, right? We're not the best at that. And it's because we haven't been trained. We don't know the frameworks, et cetera. So like that process I just showed you, what I just talked about, category design, everything I talked about, about compete, modify, and create, I was taught that. I learned that, right? A lot of our community doesn't. So that is holding us back from uh, demonstrating our value in our businesses beyond just coming up with a great idea. Because a great idea doesn't validate that there's a market there. See, what you told, what you said is you validated that there's a market because these hospitals are already actively spending money to address this issue, right? They probably have to spend money researching new names and stuff or paying out of pocket when they can't, when it goes public in the news. How much money are they spending to keep it from getting in the news, right? So there's a whole situation. There's the back end settlements and all this other stuff, right? That is means that there's money getting spent. You've identified a market. Now the key with your brand is to position it in that market, okay? So the problem I've identified is that veterans do not know how to do that. And so insert Ironbound Media, and we develop it through dog whistle brand strategy. So that's what I'm working on in my own problem. For you, you've got to frame the problem for these hospital administrators, and then shut up, right? Don't go down the rabbit hole, da-da-da, right? You frame the problem. This is what it is. This is how much money is getting spent. Boom. They want more? right? That's a follow-on conversation, but don't lose them in the opening, okay? You got to get a focused, tight message around the problem to where they go, wow, I never thought of that. And you know what? You're right. And then we've got to help them think about a reimagined future where we can prevent that problem through this new market of crowdsourced, uh, whatever, you know, artificial, whatever. That's a category. You see what I did there? You're using words. It's just a little wordsmithing. Two, no more than three words, right? And you merge them together to describe this new category. She's just nodding her head. So your homework is yeah. to frame the problem. Okay. What other questions you got? So I have, I do have three different customer groups, but that's the one that spends the money. It's similar to, I did, I took class. I'm, you're an autodidact, you're self-directed. I have to go to it. I could run by myself, but I have to go to a yoga class. Things I am not interested in. I have to go to a class. I went to a class to write my business plan, even though I listened to all your podcasts, like we talked about, I, I know the importance of a business plan. So I took a class to write a business plan. I wrote eight as a result and I combined them. But like, I have three different business 
like I have three different customer groups. I have the hospital administrator, I have the healthcare worker, and I have the patient. And they do have different goal setting. And the marketing class I took, they were like, well, Legos for, or breakfast cereal. Parents buy them, but you market them to kids. And when I'm designing, I'm designing them for the end user and the, the other two customers, the customers who are actively going to use them. Because at the end of the day, how well they're used is going to be um, reflect how effective they are. Like, who's, for, let me ask this question. Who is paying for this product? The hospitals. That's your customer. Lost. That's it. Don't worry about anything else, right? For now. Because what you've got to build is what's called your positioning thesis, right? So right now you're focusing on these three different whatever. What you really should be having is three different messaging messages to the same group, right? These hospitals, right? So you're going to develop a positioning thesis. You're assuming that your perfect customer is X. This is your message to that target market, right? And you're going to go out and you're going to talk to them and you're going to validate that this is something that they're willing to pay for. And how are we going to do it? We're going to throw up a landing page for email to learn more, you know, in development, whatever, right? But that's what we're trying to validate. We're trying to validate, are we speaking in a way that the hospital administrator says, take my money, right? The CEO of this massive hospital group says, take my money. That's who I think we should start targeting, right? These CEOs who run these multiple kind of hospital groups, right? And I would probably start in St. Louis because you yeah, have. There's a seven hospital groups um, nationwide. One of them's located in, in St. Louis. Beautiful. You got the Veterans Administration, right? That's been a shit show, you know, in the news. Talk about a pain, right? Anytime something happens at a VA hospital, it hits the news. That's a real pain, okay? So that's who I would focus your attention and your messaging around, right? And then that that's it. So right now what I'm telling you and our listeners is we have to focus. We can't focus on like all these different groups that you're targeting. One stands above the rest. And here's the deal. You close a hospital administrator with this product. Now you've got leverage. You know why? Because now you can go to the venture capital or whatever and say, hey, this hospital CEO says that once this product is launched, he's going to cut us a $5 million check for the first, you know, 150 orders or something, right? You see what I'm saying? So now you've just built your go-to-market. So if you close the CEO, that's how you're going to be able to, uh, you know, hit economies of scale right off the bat. So that's where I would focus my time, effort, and attention is crafting a really tight positioning thesis. And we're assuming, so that's the thing with the thesis. We assume the perfect customer is that, CEO of these multi-hospitals or it's a hospital administrator, hospital administrator. But then all of a sudden we start talking to people and we realize that they're actually not our perfect customer. The perfect customer is the insurance agency or something, right? You never know. So that's why we got to talk to people and validate and figure it out. What yes. other questions you got? That was it actually. So, and I, I want to, like I listen to your podcast pretty regularly and I listen to all the books. I read all the, I actually have a reading list that um, mimics goes, I go down the list. I get frustrated because all of it, most of the business books, I, they talk about traction and the one 
was the letter of intent. And that was one of the master classes at Bunker. And they said, oh, that's what you're talking about, the letter of intent. If you launch this product, I'll buy or I'm, you know, I'll invest in it. And I don't know how to achieve those. Like, and, and I think that's, that's something I, maybe that's a question. How, like, maybe I formulate my, uh, I would not worry about that yet. The key is relationships. That's why I keep telling people in all my calls and everything I say, do not overcomplicate this. You're building relationships, right? Your goal should be to build relationships with these CEOs first. Have a really solid, solid understanding of the problem that they're facing. And your goal should be to build trust. And when you have trust, then you can have the letter of intent follow. But I think sometimes it's like, it's like selling, right? You know, it's like you don't go out on a date with someone unless you're like a Marine, Lance Corporal. And then you're like, hey, let's get married right away. No, what do you do? You go out on a date, you get to know each other. You know, you take them to him or her out. Y'all get, you know, you spend some time together learning about each other so you can feel comfortable. And then if you want to take it to the next level, you have a conversation about it first. Don't just leave like, hey, I want to, I want you to sign this letter of intent. And then, you know, when I launch this product, you'll have uh, proprietary rights or whatever. No, just like figure out if they're even a good fit. Right. Because again, with that letter of intent, this is somebody you're going to be with a while. Right. They're going to be in your business there. You're going to have to deliver on this stuff. So I would want to have a better understanding of who I'm going to do business with. Be super intentional about that first learn. And then when you get to that point where you say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. You call someone, you hit someone up in the bunker. You talk to Nicholas, right? And say, Hey, I think I got this C on the hook. The next step, he said, send him a letter of intent. I don't know how to do this, whatever. Don't try to do everything yourself. You should just be focused on building the story, framing the problem, and activate your network to help you. So that way you don't have to go at it alone. Yes, that's a good advice. Thank you. Love it. And this is why, one of the reasons I want to get Sheila on, because, you know, when we're doing a masterclass, you're like, my business is so different. My business is so different. Business is simple. It's widgets, buying and selling. And we need to make it easy for people to understand. So even if you have like a tech product and you're, it's so complicated, whatever, you need to simplify it, you know, because if, the, if it's too complicated for the potential buyer, they're never going to spend. But if you can explain your business in a way, and like you said, I feel like that's what we did on this call, right? Like we've identified the massive problem. We've identified this solution is this new market of products with sensors to prevent these accidents from happening. Your company provides the product, right? That fixes that market, right? And who do we sell it to? We sell it to these hospitals. And we probably don't sell them one-offs. We do them in bulk, right? And so for you, probably another thing too is have these, like your pilot. So you've already got the prototype, which is great. So now you say, okay, well, I need to start getting data around this. Look for who else needs to get data, right? You don't have to do it yourself, right? Who is actively out there collecting information, right? That we can leverage to prevent accidents from happening. I don't think you're the only one. There could be insurance companies and all this other stuff and see who is already kind of working on this problem and see if they can be your Trojan horse right? See if you can leverage resources to get the information and stuff that you need. And guess what? If you start talking about the problem, potentially, you might evangelize people off the bat, you know, because guess what? 
somebody's mom might have fallen in a hospital. And you start telling this story about how you want to prevent this from happening. And in order to do that, you need to start collecting data from people that are willing to use your prototype. It's about the story and how you talk about it, right? That's an emotional experience for people whose parents are in a hospital because they broke their hip and stuff, et cetera. And you want to prevent that. And you're trying to prevent that through these products that you're releasing, but you can't do it until you get enough data for your library, right? Don't you feel like that's a compelling kind of story? So those it are the is. people you should be talking to, people who are experiencing the trauma from falls and, you know, parents whose kids have fallen down and all this other stuff, right? See if they would be willing to use your prototype so that you can prevent this from happening ever again. Yes. And that's already happened. I mean, like when I talk to people, when I started collecting this data, there's people, a lady got her knee replacement. The day she got the knee replacement, she was dropped in the hospital and fell the day. And yeah, that happens. Love people it. are struck by how important this is. So yes. And I would say also look at industries where it's uber important. Right. Like high net worth individuals, I'm willing to bet when they fall, it's a whole situation because I know that if I pay for top care at a hospital, right, and something happens, I'm going to be pissed. Who are the hospitals scared of? That's the other question I would ask. Right. Are they scared of professional athletes? You know, like I say, high net worth individuals. Who else? Like premium. Who are their premium clients that when something happens to them, all hell breaks loose. Right. So you start talking about senators, heads of state, all that kind of stuff, those kind of people where they're coming in, you know, you've got the hospital lined up and say, hey, so-and-so is coming in. We got to get this right. You need extra care, da-da-da. Who are those people, right? And that, if you start messaging that as well, right, um, there's potential there too. So I think as we wrap up here, one thing we didn't do, Sheila, we didn't take off our armor. So... I know you've kind of been vulnerable with us about, you know, trying to get this product explained and, you know, being one of one currently, but what's something you're struggling with personally or professionally outside of, um, outside of that? I listened to your podcast. So I was ready for this. The I'm struggling with two things. My mom always used to say, and not in the way traditionally that it said, taste your words before you spit them out. I have trouble with that. Like I say things and then I'm like, oh, that's not how I meant it. There is a woman who runs Tech STL and she was wearing a shirt that I thought was awesome. When I saw her, when I like saw her the first time, it said fragile, but like a bomb, not like a flower. And I thought it was awesome. I saw her like a week later and I said, oh, I didn't recognize you. I met her officially. And I'm like, I didn't recognize you without your shirt on. I didn't taste those words before I spit them out. How did you respond to that? Um, she just laughed, but it was, I think she's scared of me now, like in an awkward, weird way. Um, the other thing is I'm not good at setting boundaries. Like I have been recommended to read all the Brene Brown books and she's like, successful people have rock hard boundaries. I'm really not good at that. Like I have passion for this. So it's easy for stuff to bleed into my personal life. And I want to be able to say, okay, I want to spend this time with my husband. I want to spend this time at work and be in that place like a Jedi Knight, 100% dedicated to that. But I end up not doing either well sometimes. Baby That's steps, though. So. so even on the boundaries, sometimes we're like, I'm going to set boundaries. I'm going to do all this stuff. 
Like, I really do like uh, the Atomic Habits. Um, forgot his name. James Clear. Make it easy. What's the easiest way? What's something easy you can set boundaries on? Maybe start by saying, don't call my phone at, like, after 9 o'clock at night or something like that, right? Set boundaries. I like, even with my team, I tell my team, hey, 9 to 12 is my time to read, write, create content. So I need to protect that time. So any meetings and stuff, I need to push it back because I noticed that I'm fatigued during the day past like noon because I get up early in the morning and I work out. And so like my energy gets depleted the longer the day goes on. So I realize that like nine to 12 is like that prime real estate for me. So something as simple as that, just baby steps, right? I don't think you got to make massive changes all at once, but just look and say, okay, like for you right now, as you focus on your business, there are things that like you really do need to prioritize. Like you need to prioritize time to think and frame this problem and write it out. Right. That's something you need to prioritize. You can't do that if you're running around, you know, doing networking events and all that other stuff. Right. You need to, to frame it. So just baby step. Just pick one small thing. I think that you can set boundaries around. And as far as like your personality, keep your personality. Play to your strengths, not your weaknesses. If they if people have a problem with your personality, then they're probably not your perfect customer for you. And also, like, don't even be around them. I don't know what this. Yes, I aspire to be like, I'm not good at judging people from this. But yeah, I think her reaction was good. I just wish that I thought of the reaction or I thought of those, like my mom says, tasting the words before I spit them out. I I thought I would have, you know, I could have phrased that better if I thought about it first. That's your personality. Yeah, but it's not your personality, <laughs> right? That's who that's who you are, you know, mm -hmm. and that's why we got you on the podcast because we love <laughs> who you are. So Sheila leave our listeners with with something like as somebody that's on the entrepreneurial path that's coming over all this adversity right because i feel like being an entrepreneur you know it brings out the best and worst in all of us but what's some advice you would like to leave our listeners with as they continue on their own entrepreneurial journey my favorite advice is just don't quit i think i'm not a boxing fan and my favorite quote is from a fake boxer rocky balboa is like it's not how hard you can hit it's how many how hard you can get hit and keep going and i think that's important to just be able to and veterans are good at that we like continually reinvent ourselves and that's important just keep going don't quit how can people follow you and support your company um i'm on linkedin and bestwellbiomedical.com is our website you can reach out to me at my email sheila.bustwell at bestwellbiomedical.com or just you can reach me on the website bestwellbiomedical.com love it well sheila thanks for being vulnerable with us today um, I thought we had a great discussion. I hope it helps you along the way as you continue on your own path. And uh, for all our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Podcast and newsletter at the link in the show notes. I do my best to send out a newsletter at least once a week, sharing the latest episode of The Transition. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, feel free to shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at ironmikestedman. Head over to BunkerLabs.org and sign up for our newsletter. We got programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you alongside other founders and CEOs. Until next week, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week, everyone.